Faith for Today with Colin Urquhart and Julia Fisher. What do the letters written to the seven churches in Revelation have to say to us today? We started looking at the first letter written to the church in Ephesus yesterday, Colin, and you're just going to finish off a little bit about that. Yes, because we, we were just looking uh, at the positive things. Remember I said yesterday God commends each of these churches for the positives before he brings the words of correction that he needs to speak into their life. So. Uh, we saw that he commends the church in Ephesus for its hard work, that every church is called to hard work, to perseverance. Even today, churches are called to persevere in the purposes of God. And he commended them for not tolerating wicked men, for not tolerating sin in the church. And we saw how important it is if the church is to have a powerful and righteous witness in the world for us to confront sin so that those who are guilty can repent of that sin. Uh, and I, I'm talking here about uh, known sin, people living in unrighteousness. And it's known, but unfortunately, so often things are not really addressed in the way they need to. And I made the point that God alone is the one who determines what is sin and what isn't, what the level of righteousness he expects of his church. Uh, when I was praying the other day, God said to me, why should I expect anything less than the best of my church when I have given to my people my best? And I think that's a good prophetic word, don't you? That God has every right because he has poured his spirit, he's poured his life, he's given us all the riches of his kingdom and all the resources uh, of heaven available to us. I think he's got every right to expect the very best from us today. So he um, he's commending them for all that. But then let's move on to the new ground now. You have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not and have found them false. My goodness, this is another word for the contemporary church. There are all kinds of people today who call themselves apostles and they are not. Again, if we want to see what an apostle is, we have to look at what the scripture says about an apostle. You know, there are some people that sort of oversee two or three churches that they planted or had some have had some uh, influence over and they call themselves apostles. Well, you know, if you look at the New Testament, an apostle is someone who first of all sees the Lord, meets with God. He is somebody who uh, through whom God uh, performs apostolic signs and wonders. There are notable miracles that are performed through the life uh, of an apostle. He is someone who is so schooled in the word of God that he can be um, really a judge of what is right doctrine and what is wrong doctrine. And I, you know, it's, it almost scares me to see the way that some people appoint themselves as, as apostles or even as an organization appoints people who are apostles. And really, there is no such anointing on their life, no such evidence of their life. So we've just got to beware. There's this desire, because the scriptures say that the apostles are the first ministry, the, the, the most significant ministry, because it's an overarching ministry, the, the 
ultimate responsibility, really, for the direction of, of the churches in the hands of the apostles. You can understand why people, humanly speaking, want to be known as apostles. But there were false apostles then that were claiming an authority that they didn't have, claiming a call from God that they didn't have. And the same is true today. The only person who can make an apostle is God himself. It is a very particular anointing that is recognized widely throughout the church. Then God says, you have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. Now, what we must understand is that these churches to which Paul, uh, to which the Lord is writing, um, have endured times of persecution, real persecution. Um, just before we started recording this broadcast, uh, you were showing me, Julia, some folk that we know in Israel uh, in a very godly ministry there. Uh, where one of the team has just been kidnapped and assassinated uh, by by those uh, who perpetrated this terrible act against the Christian church. See, these things are going on today, but only in certain areas. During the first century of the church's existence, such persecutions were widespread, and people were on the cutting edge, often being in danger of their lives for being Christians, often uh, knowing, as is the case today in China and in other places, that they could be imprisoned for their faith in Christ. Yet, you see, God is commending them because despite all the hardships and the persecution and the difficulties, they have persevered, they have not given up, they have not been proved faithless, but they have been faithful. Does it go hand in glove that a, a live church has to endure these things? It, it will be bombarded by by false apostles, by persecution? Well, I think it's always the case that wherever there is a move of God, the powers of opposition will come against what God is doing. Um, I would have to say that throughout the whole of my ministry, uh, I have known opposition because of the work of the Spirit that has been going on among us. Uh, you almost grow to expect that to be part of the deal. You, it's just inevitable. The sad thing is that the opposition often comes from within the churches, not from outside. Uh, but you see, that's the most dangerous kind of opposition. See, false apostles within the church, very dangerous. False prophets, of which there are many, many today, very dangerous because they sow deception and ab absolutely pull apart so many people's lives. So it, it's the opposition within that is the most dangerous. But we must get on to the corrective things. But remember that God's motive in correcting the churches is always to be positive. Never critical, but positive. He wants a positive outcome. He wants them to take seriously what he's saying so that they repent and are set free from the problems. So he says to the church, uh, in Ephesus, yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love. Well, I suppose that would be true, many, many Christians, where at the beginning they had such a love for God, such a love for the things of God, a love for prayer, a love for worship. What has happened to that first love? Well, how does the Lord address the situation? Remember the height from which you have fallen. 
Repent and do the things you did at first. Repent is to turn around. It's to have a change of course, a change of direction. So if there's anybody listening that you feel you have lost your first love, all is not lost because all you have to do is to repent, to turn back to God, to pray for the Holy Spirit, to restore that love and actually to increase your love for God and for the things of God, for to for him to use you more fully and more fruitfully now than ever in the past. And the Lord says, if you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. I will come and take, really, I'll close you down. That's, that's what Jesus means. What we have to understand is that God closes churches as well as open churches. When a church does not fulfill uh, his purpose, it will dwindle, it will die, and finally it will close. Even though once it knew times of great blessing. No church can trade on its past. It's what God is doing now that matters. There are many churches that have had a wonderful inheritance of how God has moved powerfully in former generations. Well, that was great for those generations, but it doesn't serve this generation. And what matters to God is what the church is doing to serve this generation. That's what matters now. So no church can trade on its past. No church should remain open because of its past, but because of what is happening now. When I say open, you know, you understand what I mean. Uh, because the church isn't the building, it's the people. But if the people are not on fire for God, of what use are they to God? I mean, the church is to be absolutely full of the Holy Spirit and fire because our Lord is the one who baptizes in Holy Spirit and fire. That fire is the zeal of God, that love for God, that love for his purposes, that love uh, for his will to be accomplished, not only in our lives personally, but corporately in the church. So if you do not repent, I'll close you down. But you have this in your favor. You hate the practices of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. There were all kinds of heresies and wrong um, uh, kinds of actions, sort of almost like sects that uh, were trying to exist under the banner of the Christian church. The same thing happens today. We don't have to worry about what the past groups uh, were up to, what we have to watch out for is now that there is nothing that is going on under the auspices of the body of Christ that God hates. We are to love what he loves and hates what he hates, just as in Jesus. Um, it says in the first chapter of the letter to the Hebrews that he loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, the anointing of the oil of joy was upon him. And that needs to be true of the church today. If we love what God loves and hate what he hates, the anointing of joy will be upon the church. That's not just laughing, but we will go about the purposes of God, the work of God, fulfill the will of God with great joy in our hearts. And then this letter is rounded off, as are the other letters, with uh, these words. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So this is God speaking to the churches by his Spirit. And then there is this great encouragement. To him who overcomes, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God.
Now, I'll talk more later during the week about this business of overcoming, because this is what is, is, is said at the end of these letters, to he who overcomes, and a series of promises is given. And it's very important that we understand that every believer is to be an overcomer. And, you know, if God didn't allow problems, we wouldn't have anything to overcome. But praise God, if our faith is in him, then it doesn't matter what the opposition, the persecution, or anything else that comes against us. We will overcome and we will persevere and we will fulfill the plan and purpose of God for his church. You've been listening to Faith for Today, presented by Julia Fisher. This program is sponsored by Kingdom Faith. For further information, visit our website, kingdomfaith.com. 